Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today Uh, hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge the Podcast. I mean, I'm once again joined by my friend Jakub, and this is this time of the year where we're gonna preview another Grand Slam qualifying, but I think we're gonna start from the recaps first. Uh, yeah, Channel Slam, so only a month, <laughs> or actually even less be- between, uh, between Grand Slams. We're very excited to talk about that, but let's start from where Ilkley or Parma. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we should go to Ilkley. That was the biggest tournament, I think, um, especially since a wildcard was a stake in the final. Yeah. And it was Zidbergs who would take that wildcard over Jack Sox, 7-6, 2-6, 7-6, saving a match point in the final. Uh, it was Zidbergs' fourth challenger title. He moves up 61 spots, number 146, breaking the top 150. He's number seven in the race. He began in qualifying, beating Benelman's Matosevic, then he beat Rodionov, Cox, Seppi, Popirin, and then Sok to win this title. Just how huge is this for Zizubergs? Yeah, and uh, actually this is his third challenger won as a qualifier. <laughs> I think yeah. the, the only one he didn't was uh, Almaty last year, right? If yeah, I... yeah maybe, maybe he just needs those couple of matches to, to really get going in a tournament. <laughs> Yeah, and something something interesting is that when uh, when we had this interview with him in Poznan, he talked about the fact that he often has this uh, tough match at the beginning of the tournament, and then he goes on to win it. Uh, I think some examples was, for example, in Almaty last year against Barrios Vera. Uh, he also mentioned, because we were, we were talking about the match he won against Moleker in Troisdorf, then he actually didn't win at the tournament, but went on to, uh, to reach the final. And here, 
uh, he uh, was down a set and a break to Rodionov, and Rodionov actually served for the match in the first round. And then he went on to win the tournament, which is pretty crazy. I mean, he's just been so clutch recently that it's uh, really off the charts. Uh, and in the final, again, uh, like the, coming back from a break in the in the a breakdown in the decider, uh, saving three set points in the in the opener, and then saving a match point in the tie break. He was even two five down in the tie break, and he saved a match point with a great volley. Was sort of helped with uh, by the net on the previous shot, but the volley itself was superb. Then another one basically on the line at at six six. Uh, I mean, it's uh, in his his level of clutchness, if that's even a word, is just insane recently. Uh, yeah, the the Italy winner gets a wild card. Traditionally, I always wonder, like, since it's not really a written rule, like, what would happen if suddenly they decided to give it to someone else? <laughs> but I guess Zizubers yeah. was always going to be like a, a choice they they would like. Uh, I checked it historically, and in five previous editions, four winners got it. Only Jensen Lu did it, but didn't. But he was already he was already in with a PR. So I think uh, they ju- they would just do it regardless, unless the the guy who who got it was already in the in the main draw. Uh, also, last year when Ilkley wasn't held, that tradition was kept in Nottingham. Uh, there was that wild card playoff between Bolt and Mike Shack today. Today, this year, uh, actually yesterday, we had a uh, we had a wild card playoff between Barracks and Sock. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely huge. This is his Grand Slam intro debut. I wonder if it's as big because Wimbledon doesn't get points, but I think for a player debuting at such a stage, you know, the the tournaments that you that he's been watching since he was a kid, uh, yeah. I. I think it, it's probably just as big absolutely yeah i don't think that he's going to go into Wimbledon thinking oh it doesn't matter as much because I, I don't think that he cares uh whether there's points for him or, or or not right now uh that's for sure as for jack sock it was his eighth challenger final he came this close to to getting that wild card but he's going to be playing qualifying instead but he does move up 27 spots to number 102, which means he's only 19 points away from re-entering the top 100 for the first time since October 2018. Um, on his road here, he beat Mo, Masur, Vesely, and Lestien. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Sox week? Yeah, a couple of very good weeks, but I'm you know looking forward to the to the qualifying. I'm sort of uh, afraid that maybe he's going to be a bit too tired, especially as the first round is today. We're recording this on Monday morning. Uh, actually, for Jakub, it's, I think it's still Sunday evening. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but for myself and for Wimbledon, it's uh, it's Monday morning. Uh, so uh, so I, I mean, I'm kind of worried that Sok might not have much left in the tank after these two couple of weeks. And it would be a bit of a shame because... Uh, obviously, he's still an excellent grass quarter, and he, he proved it again this week. Absolutely, it, it was a great week for Sock, but it could have been so much greater had he taken that one match. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he, he he could have gotten that wild card and re-entered top one hundred all all in that one one match. Um, as for our semi-finalists, we had Alexi Popirin as the lucky loser in there. Um, he beat Mats Rosenkrantz, then he lost to Guys Brauer. Uh, got back into the main draw, beating Borna Goyo, then Sebastian Ofner, then beating Geisbrauer uh, after losing to him. 
uh, in the quarters and then losing to Zizubergs back to back semifinal runs from from Popirin. Uh, yeah, what, what, what did you make of him this week and sort of going into Wimbledon as well? Do you think that he could be a dangerous player? Yeah, of course, a dangerous floater, just not, not someone you want to draw in the in an early round. I think I mentioned last time that there was this uh, this very interesting uh, trend on Twitter last year when suddenly everyone thought Popperin was a dark horse. I mean, not everyone, I certainly didn't. But people, people were like mentioning him in their top ten favorites for Wimbledon, <laughs> and it's obviously not true at all. I mean, there, there's so many players like him in terms of in terms of uh, being dangerous on grass. But yeah, I mean, if I am uh, on top sixteen, top even any seed, I definitely don't want to draw Popperin in the in the opening round. I want to draw like a um, clay quarter who just barely plays Wimbledon. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, our other semifinalist was Constant Lestien, uh, who beat Ferry. Vedasco got a retirement from Air Bear in the quarters. Um, but yeah, it's his fourth challenger semifinal already this year. It, it, it didn't really feel like that for me. I was a bit surprised to see it. But yeah, what have you made for of, of uh, Lestien's yeah. season? It, it's a surprising <laughs> campaign for him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I definitely remember the, the Ostrava round pretty well because I, uh, I was there. Um, interesting thing was that he won 19 consecutive points against Sok at one point, and he still he still lost. Uh, you know, it was one of just one of these Lestian matches that are just so filled with plot twists that uh, you never really know what's going to happen. And he definitely looked like he was just going to race to the end at some point. So a bit disappointing, but still a pretty good week for him. I think his game suits grass pretty well too. He's he he has to be in Wimbledon qualities, right? I mean, I, yeah, he, he's actually he, he actually has a second round matchup against Jack Sock if they both make oh, it. Oh, I didn't, I didn't. They're, they're in the same section, could face each other in the second qualifying round. Uh, so that would that would be fun if it happens. Anybody else you want to talk about in in, in Ilkley singles? Mm, Ilkley singles probably not, but we definitely need to talk about Ilkley doubles. Yeah, <laughs> Cash and Patton did it again. Three weeks running, 325 points in the last three weeks. They're now number five in the in the challenger race. Unbelievable. They're in with a wild card into Eastbourne. Uh almost certainly one with a wild card. Though I, the, the, I, they, I think it's announced already. I think it's announced. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I didn't see the doubles wild cards yet. Uh so the singles ones, but yeah, cash and yeah, it is it is announced already, yes. Beating uh Ramanathan and Smith in the final. So these guys are like absolute phenomenons of <laughs> British grass court doubles tennis right now. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. 25 and two on, on the season. That's just, that's also just beat Borges and Cabral in the, in the first round. Yeah. Obviously yeah, I suppose that Borges and Cabral aren't going to be as good on, in challengers on grass. I they weren't indoors. They the, most of their success came on clay, but still that was a pretty cool matchup between the, you know, the, the biggest uh, stalwarts of the of the challenger tour this year and even last year actually uh and cash Patton, who's just uh, who are just uh, the revelation the new uh the new guys on the block since april practically in challengers since this month yeah. uh so so that, that's just a really crazy story that this itf success actually only 25 case at nottingham the the, the series 
uh, got them wildcards into challengers and then these challenger wildcards now, now have them into Eastburn and Wimbledon but you know, you know it's not going to happen to everyone in order to do that you have to win 25 out of 27 matches <laughs> yeah I mean obviously there, there, there's almost no way that they could be as big or replicate the whole mania around Marcus Willis that happened uh, when, when, he, when he had this sort of Cinderella run but I feel like if they went deep at Wimbledon that would be one of like the greatest stories that we've seen since Willis. I think it could be like one of the stories that will we sort of tennis hipsters will remember. Like, I don't know, sort of like Murray Nielsen, who, by the way, are playing the Wimbledon uh, doubles uh, Invitational Legends tournament, which, is, which, which is fantastic. I, I, I really want to see them uh, at, at these courts again. Uh, but I think I feel like it would be like make make headlines, but in in two months no one would remember. Like I think Johnny Murray is not really. Uh, uh, I think if you if you write something on Twitter about Murray, then half the people are probably thinking you just misspelled Murray, Andy or Jamie. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's move on to uh, Parma, where we had Borna Choric take the title over Elias Imer. 7-6-6 love for George's third challenger title in his career. His first one since September 2015 in Barranquilla. He was at 52 spots, number 203 on his run. Choric beat Agamenone, Koboli, Cepieri, and Lajovic. Uh, yeah, what did you make of, of George this week? I was recently reminded by uh, of a conversation that I had at Warsaw last year with, with a friend of mine where we just talked about the most boring players. And I remember mentioning uh, Jordan Thompson, whom I already like uh, talked about last week that he he's actually he was actually kind of enjoyable uh, recently. Uh, I remember mentioning Dimitri Popko. <laughs> and I remember mentioning Borna Choric. And honestly, I haven't had this much fun watching Choric as I did this week in maybe never even. He was actually kind of comfortable dictating points and like his forehand was pretty good, uh, even, even attacking. And I, I don't know if it's like the challenger aspect uh, that made me really enjoy it, but this was a hell of a tough draw for him. I mean, Agamemnone, Koboli, Zapieri, to three extremely tough Italians who always, you know, at home they get a lot of support. Maybe Agamemnone less so, but Koboli and Zapieri as, as youngsters and like actual, you know, Italians coming from Italy. Uh, Lajovic, obviously, his first challenger in four years. And then Elias Imer maybe could be maybe his worst opponent in the final, but still, I mean, in, in the first set he he gave uh, he gave a great fight, and this is just such an such an impressive week from George, especially after starting this comeback from two wins in eight tournaments or something like this one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's been great to see. Is this sort of the Borna Choric that we've all been waiting for <laughs> going back all the way back to when he was young and then sort of settled into this much more defensive style than I think people wanted him uh, to play. It, it, it will certainly be interesting if, if his success continues when he makes it back to the main tour. Um, but yeah, for now we get to enjoy him on the Challenger Tour. As for Imer, his run uh, began with beating Gasto Eliash, then Nicolas David Lionel, uh, Andrea Arnabodi and Cecchinato in the semis. Uh, yeah, what, what did you think of, of Imer? He also really needed this round, right? <laughs> I mean, the, no. 
it, it, he's also like when I when I looked at his records, his his year is actually slightly better than I assumed. But I guess it's mostly uh, that, that that in recent weeks he had a couple of these yeah. sort of embarrassing losses, especially the one to Potenza. Uh, but at the at the beginning of the year, obviously he had the Pune semis in the in the worst 250 of the of the year, probably. But still, this is this is pretty huge <laughs> for his. I mean, it, it is a worst the the worst 250, right? Maybe oh, Newport, yeah. maybe Newport or something. Uh, although I think Newport will be will be a lot stronger this year than than, than Pune was, but it, it it is the case, and I mean I would say that if if I was talking about Mike Shagodrusivori or Rao Souza too, uh, but obviously they uh, they all they, they all work are capable of of runs in other two fifty events. Just just that was the case in Pune. Uh, but yeah, uh, I it really felt like Imer needed something like this for his confidence pretty wild semi against Cecchinato because he was 2-6-0-2 down and Cecchinato had been playing just fantastic stuff all week and then suddenly you know completely faded away yeah and talking a bit more about Cecchinato he he certainly had an interesting uh, week here beginning with beating uh, Lucanardi and Chunta so he's had three pretty big wins uh, to reach his first semi-final of the year. The first one since October 2021. Uh, so yeah, what, what did you think of Cecchinato? Yeah, I said a second ago. I mean, his level was stupidly, stupidly good at in parts. Uh, really overpowered Sang in the in the first set. There's so much variety that he has. Cecchinato playing well is really uh, fantastic to watch. And I guess it's just uh, refreshing to see that he can still do it. Because after that beginning to the year, I mean, at, at 29 years old, maybe you didn't really wonder like whether his career is over. But when someone starts with 11 or 10 losses, something like this, I mean, you just kind of lose any any expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and talking a bit more about Lajovic, you you mentioned it was his first challenger in uh, four years since March 2018. He was actually uh, coming into this one with with a ten win streak, and it extended to thirteen before he lost because he he won the last two challengers before entering this one. So that was pretty interesting. Um, he beat Pasaro, Hertz, and Kovalik. Uh, yeah, do you feel like this week told you anything about Lajovic? Mm, I, I think it was a very solid run, even though when you look at it, it's wildcard and two qualifiers, but these are two very dangerous qualifiers. And Passaro as well is a nasty first round matchup. And Lajovic was just definitely solid enough to, to beat all of them. Uh, surprising choice maybe to, to play Parma, but I guess he did, just didn't really want to play qualies. Like when I looked at it from... Uh, you know, from the ranking perspective, he would actually have to play qualies for either Halle or Queens. And I think with his career record on grass, it probably didn't really make much sense. This week he's back. I, I can't remember if at Eastburn or Mallorca, but he's back with an automatic entry. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Do we want to talk about anybody else? Maybe Zapata Miraes, since we both picked him. Uh, and he went out to to Kovalik, which was <laughs> pretty surprising. I I did not see that coming really. Um, yeah, but no, if yeah. we knew that Kovalik was the qualifier, would we be yeah. uh, picking Zapata Miralesh? I'm not convinced. Uh, yeah, that, that's actually ended up being being tougher than we than we th- than we thought with 
um yeah Kovalik he was the there. best qualifier right i mean maybe maybe it's comparable with Hertz, but uh but out of the out of the qualifiers that we had here i think he was probably the most dangerous one so i'm not not really surprised or scared by that loss i i, I don't think it's it's not it's not even really a bad loss for zapata Miralesh. it's just a shame that he hasn't really kicked off after ron garros but well maybe he'll do that sometime soon Yes, okay. Uh, so I think we can go on to the doubles where we had Luciano Daderi and Fernando Romboli take the title. Uh, for Daderi, already the, the fourth final that he was in this season in doubles. So he's been he's been active there. And they be, they defeated uh, some of the biggest challenger veterans you can have, really. Uh, Molchanov and Zelenai teaming up together for Molchanov with his 55th challenger final, for Zelenai his 75th. Um, so <laughs> insane how long these guys have been around. Uh, yeah, for Zelenai, unfortunately, he doesn't get to add another title and get closer to to breaking that Ratuatana record. Um, but yeah, he he will he he should have plenty more opportunities this season. Yeah, and actually, that Daddy Romboli had been beating veterans all week. Like when you look at the draw, yeah. Lamos, Weefrow, Huey, Skugor, Yabavaris. That's literally all very experienced and dangerous guys. So, so that that's a that's a pretty huge run and somewhat surprising because I don't didn't really think of. I mean, I understand that Daddy is the, getting far in these challengers, but this is another guy whom I just don't really you know. Is it, it, he's not a stereotypical doubles player? That's that's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, we can go on to Blois, uh, where Alexander Muller took the title by, by beating Nikola Milojevic seven six six one. Uh, Muller's first challenger title. He was at fifty two spots, number one hundred sixty four. His new on his route to that final, he beat Cuarini, Hugo, Car- Hugo Carabey, Oliveri. Uh, sorry, Olivieri and Van Ash. Uh, yeah, what did you make of Muller in his in his week here? I believe I might have mentioned Alexander Miller in that conversation about most boring players. <laughs> <laughs> what what would be your most boring players? <laughs> I I have no idea who who my most boring player would be. I've I've never actually thought about the, the it, it that much, but I feel like there's sort of two ways to go with it. You either go with like a a clay grinder who whose game is always the same and and they never try anything different anything exciting or you sort of go the the surf bot route mm-hmm. uh where you know it's just surf 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 plus one um yeah i, I will have to come back to you next week with with an answer more <laughs> i don't want to say something stupid and then i look back and i'm like ah i, I have such a better answer later Okay. Um, so yeah. I, I think next week we can get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back into it then. I mean, uh, Alexander Miller uh, had was six seven one four down to Andrea Colarini in the first round, and it was even two breaks. So he was just sort of like the the Zizou Berg's way that, mm-hmm. that you survive a very tough match in the opening round and then you win the tournament. Uh, in the second set against Colarini, he also saved the match point. Uh, it was like an unreturned serve that just Colarini missed a forehand return, but not, not by much. And then just went on to suddenly raise his level and, and play excellent for the rest of the week. I mean, it, it's been a while since he looked like a potential challenger champion. I mean, I, I, I would even maybe say that he never looked like a potential challenger champion because in Glasgow, 
uh, when he reached his first final, he was just uh, very easily smashed by Rusuvori, who had this phenomenal summer in in 2019. Uh, and uh, but 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 here he he got Milojevic, and it was it was a lot easier. Although again, he had to survive a, a tough opener. I think he saved two set points, uh, five for 40, 15. Uh, no, you know, didn't. Um, Watching the final was pretty tough since free were <laughs> at the same time yesterday. And actually, even along with that, there was Halley and Queens, which is just uh, incredible that tennis still schedules itself this way. There's just no cooperation whatsoever. Uh, but anyhow, he, he definitely showed a lot of mental persistence. That solid counter-punching was, was really at its best. And uh, a surprising challenger champion, but I mean, with a with a career high in the top two hundred already, you sort of expect that a guy will get a chance like this at some point. Mm-hmm. And as for a finalist, uh, Milojevic, his eleventh challenger final, three and eight in those finals, he moves up twenty seven spots, number one hundred fifty seven. Um, certainly a surprising run, as he was on a nine match losing streak uh, coming into this one, but he beat uh, Barer Skatov. Karlovsky and Kopchiva before losing to Muller. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Milovic? Do you think that he can sort of take this and translate it onto whatever going forward or, or will he go back to losing all the time? Actually, Nikola Milovic is probably on my list of most boring players too. <laughs> like there's just there's just he, nothing he that's of the players that I think about the, the least. Like yeah. I, I just never think about him in any context. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, there's just nothing that stands out. Yeah, I remember back in Poznan when I was watching uh, Milojevic Lakson, and, and a friend just messaged me messaged me about that, and he was like, he 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 really doesn't like Lakson, and because of his lack of personality, but I was definitely uh, like, you know, the fact that he just never really has any reactions on the court, pretty much same with Milojevic really, but uh, I was defending Lakson that you know at least he has these forehand winners and like every two minutes I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> and Milojevic just does really nothing to stand out from the crowd, which I mean, it, it, I, I I have nothing against the guy. Uh, it, it, he, he's fine. He's a very good tennis player, won his fourth challenger, right? And, uh, you know, but, but, but especially on a poor day, he can just look like a, a futures player if that's, you know, there are some somehow... Uh, about about the expression and, and just uh, yeah he just, he just can look like he should never really go close to winning challenger titles and that's how he was looking since March because he came here on he came to Blois on a nine match losing streak and honestly some of these performances I mean losing to Chalik Bilek on clay or I don't know Esteve Lobato that, that they were really bad losses. Uh, and then he suddenly comes to Blois and his ball striking was actually pretty crisp. Like if I, if I have to watch Nikola Milojevic, then this week was actually uh, pretty enjoyable and uh, just came up, came a bit short in the, uh, in that uh, opening set tiebreak and it's, and it decided the match. Um, I, I really have no clue what Nikola Milojevic does with this. I mean, he's clearly good enough to, uh, to be winning or making finals because I think he has a lot more finals than titles on the Challenger Tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I can't really predict anything of this guy. Really, I, I, 
I, I'm a bit lost <laughs> with with how his career has looked like. I, I definitely don't think he has like a top 100 game to him. He would really need to like peak Redline for a couple of months to uh, to somehow get there and snatch maybe a, a you know a 90 something ranking or, or or whatever. But seems unlikely, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is probably the longest we'll ever talk about Milovic. <laughs> um, yeah, as far as semifinals, we had, we had a couple of interesting semifinals here. Uh, Luka Van Ash, of course, making his first semifinal as a qualifier here. It started. It was tough for, right away for him. He he went to set down to to Galarno in the first qualifying round. Came back from it. Uh, then beat Kirkin as well in the main draw. He beat Shevchenko, then Furness in three sets. Sanchez is given the quarters and lost to Muller. Uh, yeah, what, what did you think of Vanash this week? Um, there were good moments for sure. I mean, his his level is still sort of. I mean, it's limited by the by the physicality, by the play style, right? And but the, the win against Shevchenko was super cool, even though Shevchenko was probably a bit worn out from, from winning his first challenger in, in Bratislava. Uh then against Fairness, he played a very good match too. I mean, if, if Vanasha is capable of adding a bit more power, just controlling his game a bit more when he's aggressive, then he should be on the challenger tour pretty soon. I mean, he he's basically been on the challenger tour, but starting from the qualities and you know, not always or infrequently getting through them. So I, I'd say he hasn't really established himself yet. Uh, but I, I, I think he probably can do that pretty soon. But this isn't really one of the one of the young Frenchmen that I'm looking at in terms of like the biggest upside. Oh, that's interesting. That is definitely a topic for going forward at some point. The, all, all these French guys, we need to sort through them. We need to talk about who we think is the best and stuff. Um, our other semifinals was Vít Kopšiva, uh, who started in a very rocky victory over Lorenzo Giustino. He was down like 6-2-4-1. He, he saved three match points right before the tiebreaker. So he was 5-6-40 down in the third set. But fought back from that uh, to win and then also beat Nava and Marterer. Um, yeah, he's, he's sort of gone 10-2 uh, and two in his last three events. So yeah, what, what, what do you think of Kopchiva? Yeah, I mean he he's really kicking off after that that first day off. I I uh, run. I'm I'm. It's cool to see that he actually keep, he's kept up this form, and he's you know when, when he's peaking, he's actually just his level is pretty insane. I think not 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 really like top fifty ish insane, but definitely like lower top one hundreds insane. If he's ever capable of playing like this for you know, three, four months, then he he can still rise the rankings for sure. All right. Is there anybody that we want to talk about in the singles of Bois? Mm, I don't think so. All right. Then we can go to the doubles where we had uh, Balaji and Nedum Cezian win back-to-back titles uh, over Arnaldo and Eiseric, who are also going for back-to-back titles. So that was interesting. Uh, both of them sort of had this easier road, it seemed. Um, they, they they didn't have the maybe the toughest of, of opposition. Um, but yeah, they it all led up to this pretty good final. I, I, I watched some of it. It was, it was quite good to watch. Um, but yeah, let's go to Corrientes and close out the reviews. In Corrientes, 
We had Francisco Comesana, uh, the champion, 6 of 6-3 over Mariano Navone. Uh, Navone, who wasn't even in the draw in the first iteration because they forgot to put him in, uh, which is quite funny to me. But for Comesana, his first challenger title in his first final, up 46 spots, number 239, breaking the top 250. As for his wins this week, it was uh, beating Nakagawa, then Descote, Reista Silva, Boruchaga, and Nabone. Uh, yeah, he, he sort of had this pattern of, of an easier win and then a, then a three-set <laughs> battle. <laughs> uh, and then obviously, yeah, good for him that he ended on the, on the win as well. Yeah, what, what did you make of Comesana? Yeah, he lost these opening sets to Descote and Boruchaga, but he never really, like, looked close to losing in the in these ones like he was in control in these uh, sets two and three uh he was really knocking on the door recently uh in challengers and i mean uh if someone had to win this challenger 50 then it's it's pretty cool that he's got it because he seems to be uh improving and may, maybe going places there's some like backhand improvements he probably needs to uh, needs to do, but still, he he even got into Grand Slam qualifying range with this win, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, Challenger 50, the Challenger fifty format has given us some uh, some cool stories, like someone getting their first title there and then going on to win uh, one at the you know at the bigger ones recently. Obviously, this wasn't the toughest draw. If if you held a Challenger fifty in Europe right now. Uh, you'd get uh, a much stronger field, but well, someone had to win this tournament. And this Pikovic uh, <laughs> lost to Navone. I mean, I, I'm laughing, but you know, obviously, th- this isn't really the, the the quality of the field that we're used to. But uh, Navone was just far too nervous in the final to to make it any interesting. Uh, they played twice last year, and one of these matches where it was actually Comesano won both times, but Comesania, I guess, because I see there's that uh, there's that weird. Uh, oh right, yeah. Yeah, I, I I've been saying Comesana to myself for the past five months or so, so it's gonna be tough to, it's gonna be tough to, <laughs> to just get used to Comesania, but I guess it's Comesania. Uh, you know, he 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 won one of these matches to. Two six seven five seven five or something like this. So Navone can certainly play him close, but he's just his attacking game was just really off, just incredibly inconsistent. I think I think it was just due to nerves. Uh, Navone was definitely far less accustomed to challengers than Comesania. Uh, he only had two major wins before, I think. So uh, so just the, the more experienced twenty one year old Argentinian had a much easier time handling the pressure. Yeah, I mean, for Navone, obviously, he's a guy that's never been in a quarterfinal before at a challenger, let alone a final. Um, but he did sort of seem to have the, the, the bigger wins as, as far as this, as this draw goes, beating both Benueva, yeah. uh, who was my pick. And then the, the, the Fikovic win in the semifinals was, was, was quite impressive. Also beating Monzon and Gomez Herrera. Um, but yeah, ultimately, he goes up 86 spots uh, in the ranking. He, he breaks the top 500. So this this was a huge week for Navona, even though it ended quite poorly. Um, yeah, as for our semifinalists, we had Fikovic, who beat uh, Fariat, uh, Aboyan, and Hart, who was your pick. And then we had Boruchaga, who made his first challenger semifinal, uh, beating Mejia, getting the retirement from Andreozzi. 
who then went on to win the doubles, which was quite confusing to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, Andre Otsi retired from the from the singles match. Uh, and then Buruchaga also beat Lingua Lavayan to then make the semis. Um, yeah, in the doubles, Andreozzi and Duran uh, won the title. They were the huge favorites. Uh, it, it was the 21st challenger title for Andreozzi, 29th uh, for Duran. So these are very experienced guys. They beat Alvarez and Murkel de Yen for either of them. It was, it was the first challenger final. We also had... Leonardo Mayer uh, finishing his career out and he finished it well he didn't finish it with a win but he won one of the matches uh, which was quite quite impressive to see I mean from a guy no. who oh, no was, uh, you didn't watch it right I mean no I actually didn't watch it that's yeah. true Valentin but... Velasquez is just not no <laughs> simply no the guy has been retired for for a while but <laughs> no simply no i mean valentin velasquez was just not ready for challenger level at all he's still without a pro win either in doubles or in singles and no i mean it was simply impossible to lose uh i mean uh meyer he was his level was okay but he he just looked uh a bit like washed up Uh, but but no, beating Hart Velasquez wasn't impressive. That, that's that here. I have to say a hard no. Velasquez well, just just really isn't ready for the for this level at all. Fair enough. But they did. He he did win a match in his last ever tournament. Yes. That's very know, cool. That a, it a lot of players don't get to do that. <laughs> Great crowd as well. Uh, I mean, that, yeah. I think that was a pretty nice farewell. Uh, Maybe they even could have gone further because obviously the the, the Huertas del Pino brothers, you know, they, it's not the toughest draw. Again, uh, it, it's it's pretty tough for for this tournament, but I think Andreotti Duran were just the overwhelming favorites for the title. If Andreotti was fit, and I guess he was fit enough to play doubles. Yeah, I mean, fit enough to roll the doubles draw. They they did not drop a set. Yeah, they've uh, played a lot together, right? I think most of Andreotti's yeah. doubles titles are with are with Duran. Yeah, yeah, over the years for sure. Yeah, and let's go to much an upset of the week. Yes, uh, where would you like to start? Uh, maybe let's go match of the week. I think I'm gonna have to pick the Ilkley final. Uh, I don't. I think last year when we did uh, the recap, we made like a top three of our challenger matches, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if it will make my top three of 2022. Uh, but back in 2020, I definitely made an article of top top 10 challenger matches of the year or something. And but uh, if if I do that, then this is a very strong candidate. A lot of drama, lots of good quality. Uh, even uh, people uh, were accusing Sok of faking an injury uh, in the second set and trying to. Well, actually, if, if if he was faking, then it worked amazing because he basically after the after that injury, he started playing with such clarity and like just so much more intense. And for a set and a half, he was really dominating, and Zizou's momentum was was gone. So if he did, it was. Uh, very poor very poor sportsmanship but uh it, it, it you know, with great success uh but still i mean that that was that was re- that was really something and especially with the Wimbledon wild card at stake yeah absolutely i'll i'll have to join you there uh just because of the stakes and the incredible tennis on show 
Uh, I originally, I originally wrote down uh, Thang against Echeverri. I feel like that was a, that was a decent mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yeah, that was a good too. But, 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 but I mean, this final was just so huge, almost as huge as it gets on the on the Challenger Tour. I think. Um, all right, who was your upset of the week? Yeah, there's plenty like really high scoring ones. Uh, when I look at at what the what the bookmakers had to think about this, uh, I don't really want to go for like Borges Thompson because Thompson was coming off two very long weeks. Yonel over Carbaez Baena is also not that huge because Carbaez Baena wasn't really he wasn't really fit. He lost to retired to Potenza last week, and in this match against Yonel, both guys were actually struggling. Um, so I think I'm going to have to go with one with, from Corrientes. Uh, I, I didn't watch Alex Barena beating Nicolas Alvarez. I think that's pretty huge too, but I'm gonna, just going to have to go with Navona over Fikovic. Uh, I didn't really think that Fikovic was like a very firm favorite to win this title or to reach the final. But after he beat Hart, who was, who was my pick in a pretty, uh, in a very competitive match, but still probably the highest quality one I saw uh, in Corrientes all week. Uh, certainly didn't expect him losing to Mariano Navone, who, who just seemed like a bit of a random semifinalist, but ended up just, just playing a great match. Um, yeah, here I will go for Yonel beating Carbaez Baena. Mm-hmm. Sure, Carbaez Baena retired the week before, but he, he felt himself fit enough to play this and then to go and play Oeraj next week. Uh, which is still in the draw for, which which just seems very weird to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Carabaez Bela just doesn't lose to guys like like Yonel really. I mean, he, clearly he was he was uh, slowed down with the injury, but I, I was just very surprised to to see that result. Well, by the way, uh, because I'm just looking at Corrientes, and I and I recall that I wanted to mention Carlos Gomez Herrera because uh, this is just super wild. I, I didn't spot it. A friend suggested it to me. And Gomez Herrera hasn't played an ITF since uh, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, when you, when you hear it for the first time, you're like, what? Because he's, his ranking is about 500 something. I mean, he, his peak was 268. And the guy hasn't played an ITF in over two years. He's just going around and choosing challengers or in some extreme cases, even ATP qualities. It's it's a very interesting strategy. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know where where it takes him. He actually won a match in Belgrade Qualies last year. I mean, ATP ATP two fifty, Marbella ATP two fifty as well, Cordoba ATP two fifty as well. I mean, I, I I don't think it's really like a way to to build a serious career, but still, I was just I was just stunned by this. Yeah, yeah, that certainly is a is a weird stat that he just doesn't play ITFs. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I I guess he's like hoping for for good sort of like like money earned per trip or something. Very possibly, uh, yeah. But it it just doesn't seem like the right way to go about it. But who knows? I mean, if if he's happy, that maybe it's it's working for him. Um, all right. Are we going into the Wimbledon qualities now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I have half my picks done. So half of this is going to be thought through and researched. And the second <laughs> half, I'm going to pick guys 
So that's going to be interesting. It's cool. I did mine like 15, 15 minutes. I finished mine like 15 minutes after the draw was published yesterday and I didn't really get back to them or anything. So mine are also like, you know, just looking at the draw and going, oh yeah, this guy. So yeah, let's, uh, if, if you're not, if you're not sure what we're doing here, we're basically going to be predicting the qualifiers. And this is a bit of a competition at the, uh, during the next show, we're going to discuss who, who surprised us, who, who we were disappointed by and who, uh, me or Jakub got the more, got more points. Uh, so let's just, let's just start with the first section, which I think is actually all this draw, like, uh, I'm I'm always surprised each year. It's like I should know by now, <laughs> but I get into Wimbledon qualifying, and then I realize that this draw is so much weaker compared to all the other Grand Slam qualies because a lot of these guys just cannot or have no experience playing on grass, yeah. and some sections are just comical. And the first one is probably one of them. I mean. Sort of, yeah. It's definitely a a contender from the eight that I've like more thoroughly looked at. There's definitely one that 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 is even funnier, but we'll we'll look we'll look at that later. But anyhow, I I have to go with the top seed Bernabe Zapata Mirales here, because frankly, uh, he qualified last year. He played a five setter against Matusevic, which was very high quality, and even though he lost in Parma right now, only played one match since the French Open. I just have some sort of idea that he can do well on grass, even though it's obviously not his most natural surface. And for the rest of the guys, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just, just went through the section with Zapata Miraes playing Bambri, then Huang playing Harris, Horansky plays Caruso, and Pau uh, plays Kruger. Um, yeah, I also went for Zapata Miraes. I looked at Huang a little bit because he had some good grass results uh, from previous years. But he, he has just sucked so much this year that I, I cannot in good faith pick him to 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 win three matches here. And then the, 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 two and a best of five, even if it is on, on grass and he's probably the best grass court player. But even this year on grass, the losses have been, I don't know. He, he's lost to Matusevic, Cox and White House. Cox and White House were quite close. But I, I know I, I have to go with Zapata Mirais here. Um, the second section is also interesting. It's got Kubler playing Ilkel, Tirante playing Ferreira Silva, Arnaboldi playing Bonantio, Emilievic playing Emer. Um, yeah, who, who who did you go for here? I went to the seed again, uh, just because no one really seems like he would he or she, oh no not he or she, Jesus Christ <laughs> he would enjoy uh, uh, grass in any capacity obviously Elias Emmer qualified for uh for Wimbledon back in the day back in that year when he had uh when he qualified for all the slums 2015 I think it was but still I I can't really pick Elias Emmer I don't know just something about his form recently and all there's there's just a couple of really disappointing losses and I, I I'm not sure I trust him on grass and I'm gonna go with Jason Kubler uh, perhaps he should be re- well rested already because he played, obviously he played that uh, two week stretch in Little Rock and Orlando, which was very long ended with him retiring in the final of the latter. Uh, but still uh, he's probably, uh, now with that forehand, he should be pretty well suited to grass, I suppose. 
Australians also get uh, quite a bit of practice on it. And he was just in such good form this year that if he's rested, not jet lagged, I, I feel like he's the strongest pick here. Yeah, I mean, I was worried about just because of the injury he hasn't played since. And when I see somebody entering a slam off of an injury with no warm up in between, I just have a feeling that they're going in to, to get their money. Um, but it was like I'm, 10 days ago and he retired in the final, like, you know, with, with very, very humid conditions, very hot. I don't know. doesn't seem too scary. Yeah, it, it, it's possible. I'm, I'm not much more confident in my pick because I'm going for Arnaboldi. Um, he, he has qualified for Wimbledon before. He's come close before. Um, he's sort of looking at his record, tends to be able to beat other clay quarters mm-hmm. on on grass and that sort of makes sense to me he has a good record against Bonadio so he should be winning that match for sure he's not really a typical clay quarter right no. he's he's excellent indoors and just likes slick courts as well yeah so yeah that's that's my pick there Anna Boldy uh, third section we have Kozlov playing Furness Sachko playing Striker Gaio playing Sugita and Foretek playing Novak who do you have here? I've got um, Striker Obviously, he's super inconsistent, but on grass, maybe he can make it work. Uh, he played pretty well in Stuttgart and was it Halle? Uh, I think so. Uh, and that's just what I'm going to go for because there's no one that really stands out. Kozlov is just not in form at all. Although Strikert probably... In his last grass match. So. Come again? <laughs> he, he, he was double bigled in his last match. Yeah. And I mean... but. Actually, I, I guess Kozlov could be a tough matchup for Striker, but just not in not in this form. Uh, Yuichi Sugita is an excellent grass court player, but he's just I, I don't think he's recovered from his injuries. So uh so yeah, uh, I'm just gonna go with Dominic Striker. Kind of thought of for Aitek too, but uh, there's just really no idea any like how he will fare on grass. With the improved forehand right now, maybe a bit better than in the past. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sugita has been really bad this season. Um, Striker made it down to my final two here, but I've chosen to go with Denis Novak over Striker. Uh, he, it's not been that great for him on on grass this season, uh, but it's not really been horrible losses either. He he, he made the Ilkley final in 2019, qualified for Wimbledon that year as well. Obviously had his third round run in 2018 as a qualifier. So I feel like Denis Novak in this section is is decently enough poised. It's probably an easier second round as well than than Sriker will have to face. So yeah. All right, section four. Uh we have Zdenek Kolaj facing off against Dudisela. Then we also have Vilea Martinez, Celik Bilek, Klan, Favasori, Menezes, and Travaria. Uh, yeah, who have you chosen to go for out of this? Uh, yeah, group? this is this section. I <laughs> call it retirement home <laughs> because literally <laughs> most of most of the lots of these guys haven't played in a while. Or I oh know, Sela, Klan, Menezes, Travalia is coming back after an injury. Vieira Martinez has only played a few matches this year, so th- this section is just absolutely wild. I can see someone going for Vavasori as he's you know a servant volleyer. I can see people going for Travaglia, who's just by far the best player here, but there's just no way of telling whether he's healthy. 
And I'm going to have to go with Denek Kolash because he literally has a walking by in the opening round. So I figured that in the section that has Dudicella, if, if, uh, if one, uh, if you're not, if you don't have the draw opened or, uh, or, or don't remember, uh, Jakub reading it out in the second, Kolash plays Sela in the opening round. So, um, that's literally been the a walking by recently, although he won a match in Wimbledon qualifying last year, but against Scott Parker. So. I'm assuming then the collage will be slightly tougher. Uh, at the French, there was even some uh, <laughs> ideas that Sela fixed the match against Zapata Miralesh, right? I don't know how that investigation is is going. But anyhow, uh, uh, this is a section where everything can happen. And I just want to go for a guy who has a very big chance that he's going to win his first round. So it was then a collage for me. All right. I mean, I I can't knock you for for the for the collage pick. It's very slim pickings out here. I have chosen to go with Travaglia. Um, he he has the best record, as he said, out of any of these guys by a lot. The fifth section we have Varias, Marterer, Pellegrino, Serda Rosic, Ferri, Fabiano, Moreno del Bran, and Guinard. Uh, yeah, who do you like here? I'm actually struggling to remember who I picked here. This isn't as bad, but it's still not great. Uh, oh yeah, I know now. I was thinking of Maximilian Marterer, but I just checked his grass court records and they were surprisingly awful. Uh, it, it's actually the case with a few more players later on, like Mats Muraing as well, whom I, whom I also wanted to pick at first, because it seems like both of these guys with the lefty big serves are going to be great, but I don't know. It just really... Uh, you know, it, it really steered me off that direction. And I think I'm going to go with Thomas Fabiano. Uh, perhaps he's not in amazing form, but in the past he's done well on grass and in a, in a section that really doesn't stand out in any way. He just seems like a decent enough pick. Yeah, uh, Fabiano is my pick as well. The two previous third rounds of Wimbledon are, are huge. Eastbourne semi-final as a qualifier but yeah it, it is true that it's been more struggle on on grass for him in the last couple of years but um yeah out of this group i'm i'm feeling semi-confident and i'm actually uh, to be to be able to make this through which is more than i can say for almost anybody else um section six we have Wessler, Juk, Martin, Latsko, uh, Jason Jung, Misolich, Marchenko, and De Jong. Um, well, I mean, we, we have to talk about it. It's it's a huge moment. Uh <laughs> 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 Latsko play the first round of Wobble qualifying. Um, yeah, that will be one for for the real lovers of tennis, uh, whoever chooses to watch that match. I mean, I, I'll be watching it, but <laughs> Jesus, I mean, this is this is like I said with uh, with Corrientes. Like someone has to win this match, and <laughs> I actually do think that Latsko will, will win that match. Um, but yeah, well, yeah, he who, probably who should. He probably should, but I don't know. I, I'm not going for either Martin or Latsko. I'm going. I'm just going with Wesler. I don't think he's like a super firm favorite because. He's just so wildly inconsistent, but it's been a pretty good grass court season for him. Uh, you know, obviously with the big lefty serve, it's the angles. It's always going to be quite effective on on the surface. He can play at the net as well. Uh, it's it's both. I I actually don't think it's such a nightmare draw for Zhuk 
because it's likely that the match will be like very serve-based and Wesley is definitely capable of beating himself. Uh, but, you know, still, if if you gave Zhuk, even in this form, if you gave him, I don't know, Roberto Marcora or Dudicella, obviously that would have been a much better draw. But uh, but yeah, I'm just going to go with Marc-Andrea Wessler. Uh, I'm, I'm not actually feeling super confident that he'll win, but based on the level that he's shown during the grass court season so far, I believe this is his section to lose. Uh, yeah, it's it's Westlife for me as well. I'm not going for the Lukas Latsko hero call. It's not 2018 anymore, uh, and I just have to deal with that. But yeah, Westlife, uh quite impressed with it, was his Halle uh, wins over Rinderknecht and O'Connell. Um, yeah, he, he he should be the, the most likely to make it out of here for me as well. Section 7, Albot plays Markora. Mo plays Keral Meltzer, who's back for the first time since uh, Mauthausen, maybe. Um, then we have Pedro Sosa playing Ofner and Ramanathan against Kopshiva. Uh, yeah, what do you make of this section? I actually kind of screwed up because I forgot that Sebastian Ofner was in there. Like, I, I didn't really notice him at first. And I'm not sure if. I should change my pick right now, but maybe no. I I, I don't know. I'm gonna stick with it. Maybe Ofner qualifies, and then I look like an idiot. Although no, let, let's let's switch it. You know, I, I'm gonna go with Sebastian Ofner here. Um, I had Albot initially. Albot did very well in Halle. Uh, that was that was literally my my point. But Ofner, I I just remember the third round at Wimbledon and this week at uh, Ilkley. He was pretty good losing in, in free tie breaks. I just don't think someone like Pedro Souza or then Ramanathan Kopshiva, even though Ramanathan is a, a pretty decent serving volleyer on grass, uh, I don't think they can really touch his serve, probably. And then Albot Ofner, I think I like Ofner to, to win it as well. So no, I, I, I think I have to change it to, to Sebastian Ofner, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, it, it came down to Albot Ofner as well, but I stuck with with Albot. Uh, for me, it, it just sort of came down to Albot has quite easy two rounds as opposed to Ofner. I'm a little bit worried about the second round of Ramanathan or, or, or Kopshiva. Uh, I also feel like Albot just just best of five has more of those uh, main draw slam experiences uh, compared to Ofner and, and the way that his career has went. Oh, and let's uh, mention uh, Roberto Marcora, who's actually coming back from retirement. Yes. I don't know how, uh, <laughs> I know how serious he is about it, but uh, he signed up for some challengers as well, I think. Ah, interesting. Okay, and here we go to the last section that I actually properly predicted. Um, we have Hanfman, Sells, Klein, Harris, Lama, McHugh, Basic, and Seppi. Um, yeah, who do you like in the section? I went with Seppi. Uh, I think it's slightly risky simply because of his age and how inconsistent his results have been recently. He also hasn't like had a pretty long break this year, but still on grass, it seems like he can still do well. Uh, he certainly played uh, something more, uh, something closer to his usual level in recent weeks. Uh, and it's it's also the fact that this section isn't really that strong. I don't really want to pick from like Klein Hanfman potentially. That 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 looks like a pretty good second round matchup. 
McHugh could be dangerous, maybe. Uh, but but still, uh, I I think Seppi, if he plays at the level he he did last week, then he's certainly capable. He he almost like he he came pretty close to beating Zizou Berks in Ilkley, and he just looks like the strongest grass quarter in that in that section. Obviously, he's got all the experience. Yeah, obviously, my head was also saying Seppi, uh, but my heart said why. <laughs> Um, why did my heart say that all we've ever seen of Klein on grass is that one run that he had last season in, in Mallorca where he qualified uh, beating Cuevas, Istomin, then beat Lajovic in the first round and lost to Thompson, uh, which I I'm, I think it was one of his first, if not the first main draw win that he ever had on the ATP tour. Um, it, 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 I, think, it, I think it was the first, actually. I, yeah, yeah. I, I it, it, remember it, that. it was the first. Before he he would have he would have uh, gotten one, but yeah, Harris is strong. I, I like it. Hanfman will be tricky, but yeah, I, I just feel like it's it's Klein's time to rise now. All right, here we go into for me before unex, unexplored territory. Um, <laughs> first, look at the at the bottom half of the straw here. We have Kachin, Escoffier, Kuzmanov, Broom, Fiatkowski, Mena, Kwako, Gomez. This looks like slim pickings to me, but who have you gone for? Sort of, yeah. I, I was really going between two guys here. One of them was Facundo Mena. Uh, and the, <laughs> the, the point was that he's got a decent serve, like his altitude runs, obviously. Uh, and uh, he's playing Tyson Fitkowski, who's coming back after after an injury. And it just seems like uh, you know he might not be fully fit. Uh, I was also thinking of Charles Broom, actually. Because you know he has uh, quite a bit of uh, grass court experience as a Brit, and I just didn't really feel like he's got the upside. And I just went with Antoine Escoffier. He likes fast conditions, and that's basically my reasoning. He seems to enjoy playing on like sleeker courts, and this is a section that's filled with clay quarters. So, uh, yeah. So I'm just going with Antoine Escoffier, but really anything can happen here. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Charles Broom. Um, first of all, I absolutely love the name. It's probably up there with Strong Kirkheimer as one of my top names in tennis right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, the the Ilkley result beating Gilles Simon and Jason Jung, that gives me a lot of confidence into my pick. Um, yeah. None of these guys know how to play on grass, really, uh, which could be Broom's sort of advantage there. Um, yeah, Charles Broom for me. Section number 10, we have Morang, Pirosh, Olivieri, Puccinelli d'Almeida, Barrer, Kohlschreiber, Justino, and Kukushkin. Who have you gone for? Yeah, as I, as I mentioned before, I was thinking of Mats Morang, but again, his grass court records aren't great. Kokushkin is definitely a pick, but he retired 6-0 down to Verdasco last week. And that's what steered me off. Not sure if he's capable of winning three matches. And I'm going with a bit of a, a historical pick because Gregoire Barrer qualified for Wimbledon on three previous occasions. He's actually been ridiculously good in Wimbledon qualifying. I think he lost one time and other three times he qualified, uh, including last year, I think. So that's just my pick. But air, that's interesting. Um, it's tough. 
I'm going to go match up directly against you, and I'm going to go with Cole Schreiber. Um, yes, the guy's ancient. He's old, real old. Um, he has done things on grass previously. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's just go with it. Cole Schreiber for me. I went yeah, to Cole Schreiber peak at the French, right? And then yeah. in the opening <laughs> rounds. So. Nice. Yeah, I, 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 I would not be surprised if the player beats Cole Schreiber. Um, but yeah, the the, the, the Morang Pirosh match really annoys me. Um, because I feel like I, I would be comfortable going for Morang against a different opponent, maybe in the first round, because the second round just looks so easy there. But okay, we we move section 11. We have Barrios Vera, Eubanks, Seboshvild, Rosol, Wu, Olivo, Kovalik, and Rodionov. Uh, who have you gone for here? I think there's plenty of viable picks here because there's like Barrios Vera, Eubanks, uh, Rodionov. Maybe Wu, if he suddenly turns out to be a grass natural, but I think his game suits it. Rosol even. And I think Rodionov is probably the most likely player, but I am going to go with Lukas Rosol. You're just going to have a bit of a weird pick in there. I think on grass, he can probably still play like his, his punching game and just serve well. Uh, he can beat Thiago Save of Will. Like that's, that's a very good draw for him. Then the second round is quite tough and the third will probably be tough as well. But I, I don't know, just going with my gut here. I don't know why. Um, yeah, Rosol is, is interesting. He, he's not been great. Uh, well, actually, you know, he, he, he was, he was decent in 2019. Um, decent patches season. this year or, or if you're talking about grass performances. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was talking about the grass, like, oh, like he grass. Didn't many matches, but, but it was against pretty decent opposition. Losses to Anderson, Ofner, Zhuk and Brauer. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Rodionov though. I was concerned about uh, the matching is Murray when I saw it, but since then he has had much better performances than that on grass. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I have no qualms about picking Rodionov here. Section 12, Gilles Simon, Duya Dukovic, Zekic, Rodriguez Taverna, Richard Parker, Kiker, and Koboi. Uh, Ko- uh, sorry, uh, Koboi. Yeah, who do you, who do you like here? So actually, Dudicella had a chance to draw Stewart Parker again. <laughs> I didn't even realize, didn't, didn't remember he was in the draw. Anyhow, uh, I, I don't want to pick Gilles Simon, but if I don't pick Gilles Simon, who the hell am I picking of this? Uh, like it, it has to be Simon. I, I'm not sure I trust him. He had a great run in, uh, what was it, Hedtogenbosch? Uh, semi-final, but then uh, lost to Broom, which you mentioned, and uh, I just really don't know, don't know what to think about this, but he's the only actual decent grass quarter in the draw. I think grass was a very good surface for him back in the day. Um, all right, fair enough. Going with Joe Simon, I'm going to go with uh, Richard, who has zero wins on grass in his career. It's tough. He lost to Latsko. Obviously, there's nothing that can be done about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, I mean, he's he's done well indoors. I really like the draw for him against Parker. Um, yeah. yeah, I understand it. I, I was thinking of Richard too. Yeah, it, it just seems like his game could work on grass. Yeah. All right. Section 13. We have Nuno Borges, Arnaudi, Moria, Goyo, Gil. 
Gastel Eliash, Brauer, and Purcell. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting one. Who, who are you going yeah. for here? I was pretty dead certain that I was going to pick Gies, but however, regardless of the section he, he got drawn into, but he's playing Purcell in the opening round. And Purcell is great on grass as well. I think he had a big run in like Eastburn last year or something like this. I just honestly probably have to go with Nuno Borges instead. Uh, oh. I have no clue how he's going to do on grass. He defeated Jordan Thompson and then lost to Seppi in Ilkley. I, I thought he played very well. Looked looked quite natural. His serve is going to get a big boost. Uh, he can't play in the net, although against Thompson, he was just sort of choosing to just redirect shots from corner to corner. And it worked out very well. And I just really don't want to get into Brawler Purcell because that, that seems like a 50-50 to me with both guys being really excellent on grass. That's yeah, that's that's quite interesting. I'm gonna pick out of Brawl the uh, go with Brauer. Uh after that Ilkley performance, I feel quite quite good about it. And the, the second round is is quite nice if he if he does beat Purcell. Um so you should be potentially well, who knows? Uh, but could be coming into the final qualifying round the more rested player. Um but yeah, Brauer, let's go with it. Section 14. Jack Sog, Coyarini, Copil, Lestien, Baranco Cosano, Diaz da Costa, Genesi, and Grenier. Um, yeah, who do you like here? Gonna go with Sog. I'm afraid of uh, him being tired. That's for sure. I, I think Copil or Lestien can certainly capitalize. Perhaps Copil and Lestien can capitalize. <laughs> I think these three guys are probably the biggest favorites to come out of here. But I don't know. I just can't bring myself to pick someone else than Sog because I think he's just, you know, they're so much better on grass than the rest of these guys. I mean, maybe Copil back in the day was uh, not comparable, but you know, excellent as well. But uh, I have to pick Sog. I'm sorry. I have to go for talent here. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to have to match with you there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to bet against Jack Sock right now after the week he just had. Uh, section 15, Ugo Karabey, Miller, Blancano, Hijikita, Valkus, Kuhn, Stebe, and Agamenone. Um, yeah, who do you like here? Yeah, this is the, the section that's comparable to section four, I think. Although four was a retirement home, here everyone is fit, but just it just seems like no one knows anything about playing on grass, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going to go with Rinki. He was just decent enough in, in recent weeks. I have just any sort of idea on what he will be able to do on grass. I, I simply think he's going to be solid. And perhaps in this section, this is going to be enough. Yeah, I, I picked out Hijikita a bit, but I don't want to match again. Oh, sorry, yeah, uh, Hijikata. Um, I'm going to go with Valkus. It's it's a tricky situation, uh, considering that he's he's not played in a literal month uh, after retiring. But yeah, let's 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 roll with it. Let's roll with Valkus. I think in this section you could you could literally justify everything. Yeah. <laughs> which makes it different from uh, from section four because there there were a couple that uh, no you couldn't justify yeah you, you do you the Sela or insane to to pick some of those guys yeah and here uh, you right. can you can justify every single pick 
And yeah, final section, Vašek pospíšil, uh, Svrčina, Matusevič, Christian Harrison, Cepiady, Masur, Zizhen Zhang, and Escobedo. Uh, yeah, who are you going for? I can see Matusevic coming out of this one probably because he, he was excellent on grass last year, maybe hasn't really kept it up. Uh, and I like that first round matchup for him, but I, I do have to go with Pospisil. I, I know he's not been in great health, but he looks okay in Ilkley. And if he's healthy, he should just smash through this really on grass. Yeah, I, I have to go with Pospisil. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll I'll match with you there. Svrčina, I'm not really concerned about. Has never played on grass before. Yeah, and he's got. No and yeah, if, if, if he's if he's not yeah if, if if he's able to go out there on the court, um, he 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 should be he should be going through this. Frankly, okay. So there we are. We have our picks for Wimbledon qualifying. Um, hopefully, we do better than than we've been doing. It, it, it always feels like we're not doing well enough in these. At least to me, <laughs> I don't know why. Like like the last time we went five to four before we went three yeah, to five. I think four is maybe a little too uh, a little too too low a score. But I usually think that six five is just mm. very acceptable. Uh, you know, it, it, it's. It's sport. There's upsets. If every if we knew who was going to win, we wouldn't really be watching it. So uh, yeah, and we're gonna revisit, revisit this the these peaks in a week. Okay, so all we have left now is to talk about the upcoming week on the Challenger Tour, uh, which is actually going to be quite interesting. Uh, usually, when there's Grand Slam qualifying, there's not that much happening, but. Now we've got three tournaments, uh, and uh, yeah, at least one of them has a very decent field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's start there. I presume you're talking about Milan. Yeah. Um, where we have Federico Coria as the top seed playing Peja Krstin, then Robin Hasse or Joris Delour, Luciano Daddari plays a qualifier, and then Ernest Gubis or Julian Lenz. Hugo Delian plays a qualifier, and then Gianmarco Ferrari or Maxime Janvier. Alexander Shevchenko plays Aldin Setkic and then Matteo Martino or a qualifier. Gianmarco Moroni plays Viktor Durasovic and then Raul Brancaccio or a qualifier. Francesco Passaro plays Nicolas David Yonel uh, and then Alexis Galarno or a qualifier. Benoit Pair plays Alexei Vatucin, then Juan Bautista Torres or a qualifier. Marco Cicchinato plays Leandro, uh, Leandro Riedi and then Matteo Gigante or Francesco Maestrelli. Um, yeah, who do you like here in Milan? Yeah, uh, talking about the qualifiers, there's a couple of interesting things as Inigo Cervantes won a match beating mm-hmm. Lucas Catarina and he's actually playing Andrea Basso in the final quality round, which gives him a pretty decent chance to, to win, it seems like. I'm obviously tuning into Mochizuki Palivo today. Uh <laughs> No idea if Philippe can win it, really. Uh, this is this is a match between two former junior stars who probably don't really have the game to, to do it in uh, in the seniors, but we'll see. Obviously, one of them is like nine years young, nine years older, but um, there's a sub that won a match as well against Juan Pablo Paz and plays Federico Arnaboldi, which again gives him a pretty chance to win. Kravchenko could be dangerous after that uh, that Poznan uh, run when he almost well almost beat his maybe a stretch, but uh, played a good one against Rindernech. He also won a 15k in Beton. Uh, but anyhow, 
and it was a pretty good field. He had to beat Stoddard in the in the final. But anyhow, coming back to the draw, yeah, there, there's obviously as usually in Grand Slam qualifying, there's a couple of players who are much higher ranked than the rest of the field, Coria, Per, and Delian, but they haven't really been doing well in recent weeks. So it's it's just really uh, tough to guess how well they're going to do. Coria lost, uh, I think he won three games against Gan <laughs> last <Yeah>. week. <laughs> Delian had some weird losses as well. And Per is Benua Per. Uh, I don't know if I trust him to win five matches. Cecchinato Riedi is a very interesting first round, at least on paper. But I, I think uh, we talked about it some time ago that Riedi is probably... No, maybe in the pros he's not going to do that well on clay, at least for now. Gigante Maestrelli, the Battle of the Wildcards, is quite interesting too. But in terms of my winner pick, I think I have to go with Shevchenko. I just like the draw. And again, don't trust Delian or Coria right now. Or Pair, but it's not right now in terms of Pair. I just don't trust him at all. Very excited for Yoris Delors to, to come back to Challengers because I think this will be his first appearance of the year, I think. And when, when we saw him uh, last year, he was quite excellent. So, Yeah, just a quick note on Cervantes. It will be his first main draw at a challenger since uh, 2020, November 2020 in Lima. Um, so that'll be huge for him, obviously. As for the title guys, you pretty much said it. Coria, Pear, Delian, don't trust them, don't want them. I'm not going for Shevchenko, though. Um, I thought about going for Passaro for a little bit, but I've settled on Cecchinato. Uh, um, yeah, th- th- there's obviously Riedi in the first round, Gigante Maestrelli. I, I I just like the quarter. I like him to come out of that quarter. I thought and about then, him, definitely, yeah. You know, yeah, and, and, and once he's in the semis, it's Moroni, Passaro, or Galarno, uh, which I wouldn't be super concerned about either. So, You know what out. I didn't like? The second round, actually. Gigante Maestrelli, that's sort of... Uh, that's uh, probably the, the, the toughest one uh, yeah. if he's playing well and he's, you know, marching towards the title. Um, yeah, we can go to Oerash as soon as I get this draw open. And in Oerash, we have the top seed Roberto Carbaez Baena playing Kimer Kopeans, then Steven Diaz or Sebastian Fanzalo. Loran, like, uh, Loran locally plays Pedro Araujo. And then Benjamin Hassan or Daniel Michalski. Nicolas Hari plays Eduard Esteban Lobato. Goncalo Oliveira plays a qualifier. Evgeny Karlovsky plays Kian Jacquet. And then Oriol Rocabataya or a qualifier. Daniel Dutre da Silva plays Mikael Hertz. Winner of that facing Carlos Jimeno Valero or Joao Dominguez. Also in the section, there's Kaichi Ujita playing Luis Vessels. Uh, and then Tobias Kamke or Tiago Cacao. Facundo Bagnis plays a qualifier, and then Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo, or another qualifier. And Johan Nicolas plays Ergi Kirkin, and then one of the two qualifiers that meet. Uh, yeah, how do you like the, the qualifying draw and, the, and all that? Yeah, I think the biggest story of the quality is Thomas Berucci coming back. He yeah. actually defeated Tristan Lamazin, which is quite... You won. That's probably <laughs> like the best win he's had uh, in in I don't know two years or something because uh, he only won two matches uh, last year, right? And yeah, I, I can't remember who they were against. It was Benchetri and Roy Smith. Benchetri and Roy Smith. Okay, then I guess Benchetri is probably comparable to Lamazin right now. Uh, Lamazin just hasn't really had a good year. 
at all. Although I think his upside is is huge when he plays that forehand right, but you know, just lacking results recently. Anyhow, oh, and something very interesting as well is Lauren Locally being here because he's been just such a such a beast of the ITF tour this year. <laughs> he's just been insane. Uh, his record is 45-9 for the year, but actually it's gonna be 42 and 6 only in on, on in ITFs. He's won five titles. Uh withdrew last last week, but it could have been just being tired after his recent efforts because in June he had a final which he lost to Hart and then won a title. So I, I wouldn't really look at that, look at it this way. I'm really curious to see what Locoli will do here. And yeah, he's actually probably capable of a decent run here because the draw is pretty kind to him if we assume that Carbaez Baena is still maybe not uh, not 100% fit. I don't really think of Bagnis that much recently. Uh, interested to see what Jimeno Valero can do. He's definitely one of the unseated guys who can win it if healthy again. Uh, Herz Dutra da Silva is a fantastic first round. But I will go for Nicolas Jari. Uh, this feels like just a really good good opportunity for him. I don't know if he does it, but as I as I said multiple times before, I'm just I just think that Jari will at some point get to the top 100 again, and this just feels like a very good chance to get 80 points. Absolutely, uh, I'm also matching you there with 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 Harry. Um... Yeah, uh, as, as as we sort of said, Carbaez Baena, we we can't really trust him uh, with the injury that he's been playing through. It's it's a bit confusing why he's still playing. Um, locally, could be dangerous, but I I really just like Harry's section. And then if Carbaez Baena isn't doing well, then 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 the, then his whole half really, um, yeah, just 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 makes a lot of sense for him to take this title. I'm sorry, but I just. Um... Yeah, I, I I sort of turned my mind off. I started looking at Twitter. Who did you pick? Uh, Harry. Oh yeah. Okay. So we're matching there. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if uh, because I only heard the like I said uh, I stopped hearing at the beginning, but then I I heard the what you were talking about at the end, and I wasn't sure if it was Locoli or or Dari. But okay. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Buenos Aires. Is it again? I think so. Right. Yes. Yeah. Buenos Aires is the site of our last tournament here. Um, I I thought I read something about Serundo re- receiving a wild card for here. Yeah. So, so I was a bit confused about yeah, what Yeah, he did, but uh, then he gave it up actually. So, well. Um, yeah. Well, so then we have the top seed, Kamba Bofikovic playing Murkel de Dien. Uh, then Facundo Juarez playing a qualifier. Also in the section, Nick Hart playing a qualifier. And then Mariano Navone or Valerio Aboyan. Gonzalo Villanueva plays a qualifier, and then Evan Zhu, uh, Evan Zhu or another qualifier. Malik Jaziri plays Roman Andres Boruchaga, and then Wilson Leite or another qualifier. Nicolas Mejia plays Arcon Huertas del Pino, and then Conor Huertas del Pino or Carlos Gomez Herrera. Francisco Comesana plays Nicolas Alvarez, and then Juan Bautista Otegi or a qualifier. Felipe Meligeni Alves plays Alejo Lorenzo Lingua Lavallén. Uh, uh, the winner of that plays Matteo uh, Pesico or Matias Franco Descote. Roberto Quiroz plays Ignacio Monzon, and then Alex Barena plays João Lucas Reis da Silva. Uh, yeah, who do you like out of this Buenos Aires field? Yeah, Serundolo was supposed to make this much more interesting, and he well he didn't show up. 
So it's essentially Corrientes part two, although there are a couple of nice additions uh, like uh, Marigeni Alves or uh, Roberto Quiroz. These, these are guys who can sort of change the, the perception over this tournament a bit, I think. Uh, in the qualies, there's Guido Andreotti again, who's apparently fit enough to play singles. And he defeated Nicolas Eli, uh, losing one game, but obviously that's not, not really a, a big win or anything. He plays Santiago de la Fuente in the final qualies round. I don't think there's really anyone that can, that can go on a deep run uh, from there. Um, I am going to go for someone who's maybe, I'm not sure about the form because I think he hasn't played in about a month. Uh, but I just think he's probably the best player in the draw, not necessarily in terms of pure talent, because that would probably be Malik Jaziri, but in terms of what they can still do this year and if they just get on a pretty big run. And I am going to go with Felipe Merigani Alves. And his last match was actually a very tight one against Borges in Rangaros Qualis. So I think if he's fit, this is a draw he can eat up. Kiros in the in the in the qualies I don't know in the quarterfinals is is pretty tough I suppose how does Kiros do on clay like this 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 could be like a weird question because obviously we've been watching this guy for a long time but I, I don't think he's like um did he, yeah, did he, he, he he's, he's he's not really stellar on on clay yeah I think he's better on hard courts right yeah yeah it's it's sort of kind of similar to to, to gomez that way mm-hmm. yeah but the gomez gomez i think he had this uh, good run at rongaros yeah no, never mind anyhow i i am going to go with Maligani Alves anyway so uh yeah yeah and i'm i'm matching you there once again uh Maligani Alves really like the draw compared to fikovic where he has uh, Delian and then, you know, uh, Navone potentially haunting him again in the in the quarters or something. Yeah, I, I, I looked briefly at Villanueva, who disappointed me so bitterly last week. Um, but yeah, I, it, it, it has to be Meligan Yelvich. Uh, what's the standings right now? Is it like 10-9 for you? I'm, yeah, yes, I'm, I'm leading 10-9. Yeah, so right now I only, you know, this week I only have one chance to make up the point. because Yes, yeah. Into yeah I, 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 will, I will not be fully unseated after this week. So. Yeah, you're definitely uh, at least uh, going to be drawing. Uh, whom did you... Uh, I picked Shevchenko in Milan and you picked... Uh, Cecchinato. Cecchinato, okay, yeah. So that, that's the... Uh, that's the ones. Uh, that's the one pick that we differed on this week. Uh, and yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we're gonna see you in a week when we're gonna discuss Milan, Buenos Aires, and Oeiras, and obviously also the Grand Slam qualifying. Uh, I think yeah, obviously Wimbledon draw will be done by then, and we're also going to be able to do the draft pick of the qualifiers. I think at Ran Garros, Jakub beat me in both things. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I'm hungry for revenge, uh, but I mean, the, yeah, let's not, let's not get back into it. I mean, I just uh, I just remembered that the draft pick was essentially a rock paper scissors contest with Bernabe Zapatovirales uh, overperforming uh, or outperforming other co- other qualifiers by a country mile. But yeah, anyhow, uh, thanks for listening and see you in a week. Bye.
my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.